Welcome to Building Stronger Communities, a presentation of MRB Group and our Smarter Local Gov team. MRB Group has been supporting local governments for nearly a century with engineering, architecture, and infrastructure development. And our Smarter Local Gov team has been designed to tackle community development and management challenges facing our local government partners. This podcast features conversations with professionals and community leaders, sharing stories, information, and resources that come from a municipal knowledge base that's 100 years in the making. From the James R. Gresson Studio, in the historic Culver Road Armory, this is Building Stronger Communities. Again with Michael Endolo, Director of Economic Development for MRB Group's Smarter Local Gov initiative. And uh, today, Michael, I wanted to talk with you about uh, something that people don't often associate with economic development. I think, uh, I certainly think it's probably at least a cousin of economic development if not a twin uh, sister, twin brother, and that's housing. Um, A lot of people uh, think about economic development as just chasing smokestacks or revitalizing downtown or or landing, you know, that uh, Amazon HQ 15. But but in reality, there are a lot of of Legos here that got to get stacked up before your community um, can really attract investment. And the thing that jumps out at me most often, what I hear a lot about is where we're going to put the workers. What's uh, what's your housing uh, look like? So, can you talk a little bit about how you see uh, housing and economic development being connected? Yeah, absolutely. And you're right on. There's been a there's been a sea change in economic development from you know chasing smokestacks to really building communities that businesses want to be in. That's really the key right now. That's what that what that's what drives economic development to a large extent. Um, and prior to the the COVID pandemic. Uh, the number one issue in economic development anywhere in the country was workforce. Getting enough people to have the workforce and skills necessary for businesses to succeed. And the areas that had the workforce got the jobs and the areas that didn't, didn't get the jobs. And so if your community is interested in growth, you have to think about growth in the number of people that have the skills that you want and the, to serve the businesses that you want. So to me, there's absolutely a direct correlation between those things. And then I would say on furthermore, it's not just, you know, absolute number of beds out there, right? Or absolute number of units, but what kind of housing do you have? And is it the type of housing that your workforce needs and wants that your businesses therefore need and want in your community? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a a great point. We, uh, I, I was... The, the city manager in Geneva for about 10 years. And we were kind of uh, constantly chasing really cool companies. And uh, one of our big, one of the big acquisitions before I got to Geneva was a, uh, a company called Guardian Glass and a uh, big, big company. And, and Michael and I worked together on a couple of iterations of, of keeping Guardian Glass around and, and helping them expand in, in Geneva. But um, they had a bad turnover. I think that while I was in Geneva, they turned over the plant manager twice. And uh, the first plant manager had arrived before I got there. And so it was always my, uh, a, a real, uh, it stuck in my craw, if you will, that he lived like three towns over. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had, you know, we had 300 jobs, which was great. And a bunch of those people lived in our community. Um, but Geneva was declining in population. And our, our demographics were skewing poorer, right? We're skewing to, to a more impoverished community. And so um, the question became, hey, how do we retain 
uh, uh, workers? How do we keep uh, keep those people who are working in Geneva living in Geneva? And how do we keep all of them, including the plant manager who we want living here, shopping here? We want his kids in the schools um, and all of those things. And uh, so I made it my mission that each time that plant manager turned over, each time the superintendent of schools turned over, I was going to get to them and I was going to get them to live in Geneva. And each time I got to them, they had already made a decision, unfortunately. And the number one answer was, you just didn't have the product. You didn't, there was no diversity of, of housing. So I think you're 100% right about that. I mean, it, it goes back to knowing what kind of jobs you want to retain and know what kind of workers you want to retain and making sure you have what they need to, to be successful. Um, and, and along those lines, you know, the, the idea of, of um, you know, density comes to mind. So if we're going to attract, uh, if we're going to attract a 500 person plant, if you're going to, if you're going to attract a, a big, if you're going to attract Amazon HQ3, uh, you need a little bit of density, but, um, but we hear anytime we bring one of these multifamily projects out, uh, out for discussion, we hear pretty strong reactions. Um, how, how do you think communities should take that on? How, how would you um, talk about the importance of density in housing, particularly multifamily housing, as it relates to attracting and retaining Amazon? Sure, absolutely. And you're, you're, you're dead on right there. Um, in some communities, multifamily housing or the word density are both um, four-letter words, so to speak, right? They're uh, something that people react very negatively to. And look, it, I feel pretty strongly that's, that's a very outdated or outmoded uh, way of thinking. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that across the country, there's been a big shift in housing preferences. And if we have the need to get folks like you're talking about, the plant manager, but also the whole, the whole kit and caboodle, you have to be aware that those preferences are changing. And, and, the, and the view that multifamily housing that some folks have is like, you know, terrible housing projects from the 1960s, right? Mm -hmm. That's not what multifamily is. I mean, I can, I can show you multifamily projects that if, if, if I had a mayor or supervisor come and look at them, they'd be saying, yeah, we'd love to have this in our community. This looks great. It's such an asset. Um, so density is one that's also something that people look at and say, oh, gosh, we don't want density. And they associate it with, again, substandard units. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is that there has been a great uh, interest in reclaiming small urban areas across New York State, across the whole country. But in New York State is where we're familiar with. And there's more and more people that are really interested in that. Why are they interested? They want a downtown environment. They want a walkable community. They want to have amenities. They want to have neighbors. They want to have nightlife. They want to have all that kind of best, uh, the best aspects of small urban living. And the only way to get that is to have higher levels of density. There's several reasons why. But think about it, in a city environment, you're not going to have a one-acre lot per house, because that ceases to be a city, right? That's usually <laughs> right. a suburb. So you got to think about it a little bit more, you know, a little bit different um, in, that, in that case. On the density side, I would say the other aspect is really financial feasibility. And if I'm a developer, I got to make money. And if I can um, rent units out 
at a higher density level, then my project becomes more feasible and therefore you're more likely to get it. So I just think that people need to really think, rethink and, and communicate with their own stakeholders. What does it actually mean density? Don't think project from the 1960s. Think, you know, shining new place that I want to live. Yeah. Or upper story residential in downtown or, yeah. or, or, I mean, there's a, there's a, a million different ways to get at it. Right. And, um, and we've been, you know, we, we kind of jokingly talk about Amazon HQ3 and, and certainly we've had experience with people like Guardian Glass, but my experience with much smaller projects, 10, 15 person firms, micro enterprises, two or three person firms, I want all of those people living in my community um, and, uh, and all of them have the same basic needs and, and housing is absolutely among those. Um, and you were starting to get at something too that, that you know, we'll pick up on with our planning folks at another time in depth, but um, don't confuse uh, density, zoning, uh, you name it. Don't, don't confuse uh, density with quality. Don't confuse density with, uh, don't confuse the type, the product with the condition, right? Uh, the condition you can largely have influence over as a community. Uh, you can do appropriate zoning. You can do design guidelines. You can do um, active, proactive uh, property maintenance management. You can do all of those. That was my sneaky way of saying code enforcement. You can do all of those things um, to make sure that every housing product that you have um, is is something that you see as a contributor. Um, so I was I was interested in, you know, in our in our prep for this. You uh, you talked about reasons communities might encourage or discourage housing. I think the reason to encourage housing is uh, is pretty plain, right? I mean, we think we understand why we would want to add more housing to a place, um, uh, particularly a place that, that's missing uh, an element like workforce housing or affordable housing. Um, but what about uh, what about communities that are discouraging housing? Why, why might you why might you logically or reasonably um, uh, try to dissuade folks from housing or certain types of housing that kind of yeah, there are, there are some circumstances for sure. I mean, I would say the number one reason why is if you don't want, if you don't want growth, right? And there's some communities that just straight up, they, they want preservation of what they have and they don't want growth. Okay, we certainly understand that and that's, that's fine, right? Um, I would say that there are a few other circumstances beyond just you know wants and desires that could be that. Um, sometimes there can be real issues of capacity that you'd have to think real long and hard about before deciding to uh, expand the housing base significantly. And by that, I mean, you might have a huge water or sewer capacity issue that would require some huge investment, okay? But we do see that every once in a while, right? And as a community, you have to decide, is that you want to move forward with that? Like, you're fine where you are, but if you grow, you got to do the next step. Um, you know, that's not the only case. Um, one case where we've seen it a few times is uh, schools, right? Yeah. You might, have, uh, you might have an issue where, gosh, if we get a lot more students, it's really going really to require a big change about how we educate our students. Um, this is probably more applicable to faster growing areas than more steady state. But there's definitely the case. And they say, okay, gosh, we have to really think about this. Um, there are a few other cases, and it, it might be something along the lines of uh, we, we prefer this type of development over that. And because we only have so much land that's still available in our village, 
we have to make choices about that. That's fairly rare, but it does happen. That is fantastic. I love that assessment. That's a fantastic way of looking at it. You know, this idea of your developable land as a, as a finite resource. Um, you know, we're, we're working with a, a great community up in, in Wayne County here in New York. And, um, and they're, they've been, we actually just had a, a comp plan committee uh, meeting with them this week. And they were um, talking about downtown revitalization versus highway commercial franchise type uh, attraction. Uh, and the number one answer that kept coming back was, and it's one of these communities that has, has transitioned quickly over the last decade from a very agrarian, very rural place to, you know, just on the, on the uh, fringe of being a suburb of, of Rochester. And um, they're thinking now about, hey, we, want to, we don't want to just get run over uh, and become a suburb without talking about it. Uh, but we, we want to we want to be thoughtful about it. So we've been we've been going through this comprehensive planning exercise, but they recognized right away. It's not enough to say I want a blank. Right. I want a red lobster. I want an Applebee's or I want a blah, blah, blah. Um, it's about uh, it, or, or I want a really cool farm to table restaurant. It's about who's going to eat there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think the, the lesson here is whether you're whether you're working to attract Amazon HQ3 or whether you are working to attract a really cool farm to table uh, restaurant in your, in your, uh, in your downtown district. Um, rooftops drive that. Uh, and um, just like anything else, uh, whether, it's, whether it's the economic development attraction to begin with, whether you're trying to get uh, someone to locate in your community and invest, um, or whether it's uh, try, trying to develop out the housing to support that, you gotta know what you want coming in. You gotta have a clear plan around that. So, you know, reg- regular, uh, our, our regular feature here, our, our closing sentiment uh, each, uh, each time is the mind-blowing minute. So can you think about a community or a project that you think got it really right in terms of, uh, in terms of identifying a, a certain type of housing to feed their economic development effort um, or a community that just missed the bus entirely? Sure. I, uh, it's the same community in both examples. <laughs> I'll start with the missing the bus. And of course, I won't name the community to protect the guilty here. <laughs> but this is a community that had a strong retail base and was, was what you might consider to be kind of a suburban type of community with a big retail base. And the supervisor was proud, deeply proud of the fact that they did not have a town tax. They relied only on the sales tax portion that they got from the county. Yeah. And he said, gosh, this is great. And I, and I agree with him. Like, it's wonderful, right? If you don't have to impose <laughs> a property tax. So he said they had a Kmart store that had gone vacant. And the developer came to them and said, hey, we want to do something other than retail. And the supervisor said, we can't do that. We got to have retail. It drives the sales tax. That was a mistake. <laughs> what we pointed out to him were two things. One, you're not going to get to the Kmart. They don't exist anymore, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> big boxes, big boxes going the way of the dodo. And number two, the way he actually gets sales tax revenue is based on taxable assessed value. <laughs> right. It doesn't really matter. That's right. And if you put in a uh, housing development, 
on that site of a high quality, you'll actually get four times the taxable assessed value on that parcel than you would get from redeveloping it as a, as a, as a retail store, which wouldn't fill anyhow. Yeah. And, so, and you're going to create a market for a retail operation that will. Flourish. Absolutely. And so the, the good news is the town saw the light and said, yeah, okay, it makes sense to us. Let's pivot on this. And um, it has not yet been built, but it's planned, it's developed, it's, it's gone through that, and it's going to go to construction hopefully this year. Um, but a super high-end uh, residential development that will go at the site here. And what used to be a totally unwalkable retail environment is being turned into something where someone literally could walk to the grocery store uh, and back and to the mall and to the movie theater and, and actually turn it into something very unique. And, oh, I saw the last bit I will say is the waiting list for this new development is predominantly filled with town residents. No kidding. Who need, who are at the point in their lives where they don't want the single family house anymore. Oh, that's spectacular. But they want to stay in this town. They don't have to leave. Oh, that's great. Michael, you're the best. Uh, appreciate you being here. Uh, building smarter, building stronger communities uh, is a production of Smarter Local Gov, the local government division of MRB Group. You can find Michael's resume and a bunch of other talented people at our website, www.smarterlocalgov.com. Uh, you can find uh, lots of uh, amazing local government support uh, at our parent website. That's www.mrbgroup.com, engineering, architecture, surveying, trusted local government council to New York State and the world, if you ask me. Building Stronger Communities is a collaboration between MRB Group and FingerLakesOne.com Digital Media. To learn more, visit SmarterLocalGov.com and check out archived episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Anchor. Look for links to all those locations in the show notes. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.